On today's Say It Ain't So Sports, you know, we have the draft. Goodell, he wins again. We get the draft when we're in this sports drought. And so we're going to go over our favorite picks, our least favorite picks, some surprising picks throughout the draft. We'll give all our thoughts on that. And then we have a few NFL stories. Gronk. Gronk is back in the league. Awesome for everyone. So we're going to give our take on that. Laramie Tunsil got the bag from the Texans. And Trent Williams finally got the trade he desired. He's going to the 49ers. So we'll go over all that in this episode. And stay tuned. Just a week up. And we're back. So, you know, once again, something that we've been preaching for a long time is Roger Goodell wins yet again. So the NFL draft, which was took place this thir- last Thursday and uh, took place over the weekend, 55 total million views over all three days. People all were telling him to not do it. He didn't listen to them. Smart move by him, obviously. And the NFL was king once again. I mean, 55 million views. That's absurd for the draft. And, yeah, it's just Goodell. He's king. Goodell's just the guy sports needs. You know, people hate him. People say he's, he doesn't do a good job. But every time the NFL's in a crisis situation, Goodell comes through, leads him to the promised land. And the draft's just another instance of this. A lot of people are calling for there not to be a draft uh, right now or anything like that. Goodell took that common sense approach. We could do it virtually. I'll read all the picks and he gets it done. Yeah. I mean, you said like when the NFL needed him, he stepped up. The world needed him. Like we needed this draft to happen. We have nothing to talk about. There's nothing going on. And as we saw, there clearly could have done a draft online and he made it work. And yeah, it was just great that we got to have a draft, you know, finally have some sports to go over. So um, now we'll get into the, you know, the draft itself. We'll start, I guess, just at the top. What were some of your guys, like, top five-ish, just some, like, some things that you thought were kind of interesting within the top five and how it kind of shook out? Um, so the top five, I thought, was was really chalk, except for um, the Giants pick. Actually, the Giants, like, you did know that the Giants are more likely than not going to go in the direction of an, an offensive tackle. But the question that everybody was asking was who would it be? And to – many people's surprises, including myself, it was Andrew Thomas. I thought they would go in the direction of Tristan Wurst or maybe Jedrick Wills, who was my favorite tackle going into the class. But as a Giants fan, I have zero complaints with this pick, uh, with that pick. Andrew Thomas uh, in uh, at Georgia, three-year starter, played on both the left and played at a really high level at both left and right tackles during his career at, uh, at Georgia. And I thought that that was a good pick. And um, another pick that people thought, might not happen would be two to the Dolphins, even though we've been hearing two to Miami for almost a year now, I would say. And the fact that Miami didn't have to tank and they still got to a, like at five, I mean, partially because of Tua's injury, but you also heard that they would potentially look at Herbert over to, I'm really happy that the, uh, in my opinion, the Dolphins made the right decision because I think that the difference between Tua and Herbert is just, insane too i think it's just a lot better than herbert and i'm really happy that the dolphins made made the right decision there yeah so like the top three uh we didn't go over like those were very chalk a lot everyone basically had burrow chase young akuda we had that a ton of other people had that and then as you said the giants we knew line andrew thomas was kind of a surprise to all of us and that five is where things really get interesting because we have a qb controversy you know 
Tua, you said you think he's clearly better. I know some other people don't think so. And, you know, we had Herbert mocked above. So, you know, for those who thought Herbert was better, which I think a few of us did, why were, you know, you guys, like, disapprove of this Tua pick at five to the Dolphins? I mean, Tua, you know, as I said, hasn't done shit. <laughs> you know, you guys are, this guy's a clown. I, I No, in all in all seriousness, I just don't, like, see his skills, like, like what he does translating into the – um. NFL properly. Also, I just think he just got carried because he went to like Bama. Two, two is the best quarterback to like ever come out of Bama. Okay, okay, Charlie. Okay, Charlie. All right. No, I know Nate, he won the Natty. I know he won the Natty. I know he won the Natty. Since the next, greatest since the next college kid, the greatest college started. coach of all Nate time. Everything went for him. Obviously, no one's saying he's like bad. I just don't think his skill set. He's, he's undersized, and it's just he's fighting. He's always going to be fighting a battle of being undersized, and it's hard because he's going to have to be a lot more mo- be able to be mobile, move. And, move and throw in the run well and it's just a lot harder when you're on a dysfunctional team like Miami especially that you have to be like an outside of the box kind of quarterback when you're like I mean and like obviously Miami's on the on the trend up we got a good coach and good defense coming but still like they're not still the most competent team I think it's just not going to translate well for them that's why I think I also just think Herbert's better picked because he can be more traditional in the NFL given his like his frame and stuff Okay, what I'll say about this, a lot of people say that uh, the Tua pick is a risk due to the injury concerns, but I also think Herbert has the highest like bust potential of any of these quarterbacks. I don't think he really improved at all throughout his four years at Oregon. He didn't really show a lot of improvement as a, as a passer or like his ability to process and read defenses. So I think he has just as high of a bust potential as Tua. And, if t- and the one I would go with is if Tua is a bust because of injuries, like I can live with that. If Tua gets hurt, and like that's it, but he he has the skills. That's fine. But if you draft a guy who's just not good enough, that's a huge like like black mark on your resume as a GM. So I understand the pick for that reason. Yeah, and I mean going into the year, Tua like was the consensus number one pick, and the only reason he fell, it had nothing to do with his play on the field because he kept bowling. He he was great all his college career. It's just the injuries, and you know that's a legit concern. You know we saw reports that three teams didn't even have him on their big board. He was failing physicals. So, you know, we heard all that, and did we know we didn't know it was a smokescreen. You know, we thought maybe they go Herbert instead. But Tua, you know, yeah, as you say, Loft, if he doesn't work out, it's a very high uh, chance that's because of his injuries and not because of his play. And Herbert, if he doesn't work out, it's most likely because he just can't play. Yeah, I, I think one of the most important traits, like, to be in the NFL is availability, and I think that could be a problem going forward with Tua's career. And if he's just not going to be able to – like stay healthy and be on, be in the field. It could not be the best pick. And that's why I, in the mock draft had Herbert over Tua, but Dolphins thought otherwise. And we'll see how that goes. Another thing I would be concerned about with picking Herbert this high is uh, like now the LA chargers are in a spot where they're kind of like a lost franchise in the league. Like they have no, uh, they don't really have any home fans. They're in like a really rough spot as a franchise. They're kind of like they're almost like a laughing stock of the league at this point. They were playing at a soccer stadium last year. They they can't sell their tickets to these uh to the home games. Justin Herbert's not like an identity changing quarterback. He's not like a rah rah leader. He's not the team's not going to take his identity. Uh, I think like like there are some concerns about Herbert to the Chargers. And if I had to say like this guy's the most likely to bust out of all these quarterbacks, I pick Herbert for that reason. Yeah, I think this move by the Chargers was desperate. You know everything I heard and. All the buzz coming in was that they loved Tua, and you saw Dolphin or Chargers fans, for that matter, they loved Tua. They wanted Tua, and you know Tua goes one pick before them when we weren't sure if it would be Herbert or Tua was a toss up. And I just think honestly they panicked because you could definitely make the case, you know, that they don't need a quarterback. They kept gassing up Tyrod as the guy. I know that we dismissed that and said, of course you gas up your quarterback, but Tyrod's been a starter before. He's won games. He's been to the playoffs. 
So you certainly could justify not going QB. And going Herbert, I don't know if it's the right move for them. And as you said, Loft, yeah, they really are. They're stuck in the middle ground because they have a lot of talent, but Phil Rivers really just couldn't get it done last year. So I don't know if Herbert is the guy to push the needle. He certainly won't be getting the fans in right away. And I don't know if this move will work out for the Chargers. Yeah, I think I think Herbert's more of like a work in process kind of kind of guy. I would, like like he can learn stuff from Tyrod. Like who's you like you said like he's been an established starter. Like he's won games before. I think like he, he kind of maybe sits a little bit and then he like learns more and then he'd be better. But I don't think he's like I don't think like it would be a great idea just to, like throw him in there week one. I don't really know what the Chargers' plans are. Um, are have they said like they're going to start him week one? Or not really? No, I don't think they've said anything on that. I mean, you assume it's going to be a – it's very similar, I feel like, the Browns. They had yeah. Tyrod on the roster with Baker. Yeah. They started Tyrod a few games. They got decent production. But then, you know, everyone's – every bad throw you throw, the fans – I mean, I don't know how many fans are they have. Are going to be like put in put Yeah, in put in the guy. rookie. Put in the rookie. So, I think there's a 100% chance we see Herbert on the field this year at some I think I think it's just like if he, if he were able to sit a year and learn and, like, get some, like, playing time, obviously <laughs> – well, like, that'd be great, but obviously, like, if the Chargers get desperate, they're just going to throw him in there, and that could hurt his – obviously hurt him. But the but, thing like, with Herbert is, like, people wanted him to come out after his junior year. He should have. He had good, He had worse numbers his senior year. I mean, he did way worse senior year, right? He regressed, for yeah, sure. He regressed his senior what, year. What I will say right before Chelsea goes, I, I don't think there's any way in which the Chargers can feel good about rolling with Tyrod playing. Like, this is your big season. You're moving to, like, a new stadium and all this. And also, like, you say, like, like Tyrod can produce as a star. If Tyrod was able to produce as a starter, he wouldn't have been a backup the last two years. I just don't. I just don't. I think Herbert can come in day one and it's better than him. But I don't think that's much of a statement for Herbert. Well, I was just saying he's won games in this league before. But yeah, I don't think Tyrod's like a starting QB, or he wouldn't just be on this backup. Where Phil Rivers was so bad last year, and they didn't once look to Tyrod. Yeah, and to go back to that point that Loft made about uh, marketability. Justin Herbert is not going to bring in fans to the Chargers. LA is a, is a very casual fan is, has a very casual fan base, a sports fan base. Most of the the actual football fans in LA are either Cowboys fans or Raiders fans or uh, Rams fans, right? That's the that's the majority of the uh, the, the fan base groups down in uh, LA. So the Chargers really don't have any fans right now, and Justin Herbert's not going to market them. If you're gonna if you want to get a QB for the future, I think that it would have made a lot more sense for them to possibly just like draft a, a guy, maybe like Isaiah Simmons pair him with Derwin James. You have two of those like elite, like hybrid players. That would be really cool to watch. Um, or maybe you go in the direction of an offensive lineman because the Chargers have struggled on the offensive line for years. And then you go out and try and like give up the farm or whatever next, next year to move up to get a Trevor Lawrence or something because Trevor Lawrence has marketability. Trevor Lawrence has a lot of marketability in the LA area for them. I think way, way more so than Justin Herbert does. So I think if you're going to go in the direction of QB, maybe you wait it out for a year and try and get that guy, uh, Trevor Lawrence. I actually disagree with that. I think that uh, Herbert is a West coast guy, PAC 12 guy, had a lot of success at Oregon. I think that the Chargers are just looking for a change. I think, yeah, if, if uh, Herbert has some early successes, I think a lot of people are going to get around him. And I think to wait another year and have another year of medi- mediocrity in a new stadium and just like try to take the chance of getting uh, um, of getting Trevor Lawrence, I don't think that's the greatest idea. I think that Herbert could actually succeed well. And I think he might actually have a pretty nice fan base because he is a big West Coast guy. And uh, like one of the – he, he had a really a lot of success in the Pac-12. 
Yeah, but um, the thing that you're forgetting is that winning isn't enough to to get the Chargers some marketability, right? The Chargers were 12 and four in 2018. They were one of the best teams in the league, and they still had like, I mean, they had their their attendance numbers are mostly comprised of the away team fan base that was coming into to the soccer stadium there, right? So they still weren't as nearly as marketable as they would have been in in a lot of other markets when they were a 12 and four team, they beat the, the best team in the AFC that year, Kansas city in can in Arrowhead, right there. They were you know, before they lost to new England in the divisional round. Like they were one of the, the stronger teams and people were talking about them, maybe upsetting new England in the divisional round that year. People were forgetting they were 12 and like they were 12 and four. They were one of the best teams in the league and they still couldn't like make, they well, still didn't generate any revenue. Something in football, though, that like it's not like this in other sports. Like you actually need your fans. I just don't like. I don't see a way the Chargers can win without a fan base. You can't be playing sixteen road games a year. We saw this year they played sixteen road games, and obviously they took a big step back with a similar roster from the year before. And you know, uh, Cap, to your point, you said he's a Pac-12 guy, and Charlie, you were talking about how LA is a cowboy town, all this stuff. You know, I think they're more of a college town, like USC football. It's yeah. huge in Cali. And so is Herbert the guy that will bring in fans? I don't think right away because winning isn't everything to bring in fans, but I think he's going to need to win because he's not a name like Trevor Lawrence who's immediately going to draw fans in there. Like he has to prove himself in that market. He has to get people invested. And it's going to be hard for them because they're already the little brothers to the Rams. You know, the Rams got there a year early. They've been to the Super Bowl. So most people in L.A. are already gravitating to the Rams, which is unfortunate for the Chargers. And I think I think this pick absolutely needs to work out if they have like any hope of getting a decent fan base in L.A. Well, I think this really dates back to them moving out of San Diego. A lot of their fans were actually like didn't like that move. And L.A. is not the town, not the city to have two sports teams, two football teams. So I think it's just I think that really took a hit to their fan base. But yeah, like L.A. also is just a terrible market for even one team now of two it, it, it really puts them at a disadvantage right let's um let's move down in the draft um because obviously you know there are still a ton of picks in the first round a ton of surprises is there anything in like five through ten that you guys are really intrigued about um so i thought that the best pick that was made in that that range by far was the cardinals Completely. getting isaiah simmons i thought that that was i thought that was a an amazing pick for them, right? Even though they did need offensive line, they do need offensive line pretty badly. For them, I think like Isaiah Simmons is just like such a great player, and the value at pick eight was just like the value for that player at pick eight was higher than any of the offensive linemen available on the board, um, for in their eyes. And Isaiah Simmons also like he's a guy that like with George Kittle in your division. You're gonna to have to play George Kittle twice a year. Like he can guard tight ends, right? You can have, and you can play him at so many different places on on the field and on the defensive side of the ball. That like, and now you're pairing him with like Patrick Peterson, who did decline, obviously, but still like has like like can play well at times. And then you have like one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL, and Chandler Jones on that defense, right? And also Jordan Hicks is coming off a really good year, right? Uh, for inside linebacker position, like you're 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 building up a defense to pair with that. What seems to be coming, seems to be becoming an explosive offense. So like, and now, and with the 49ers reaching the Super Bowl and Seattle, um, making the playoffs last year as well. Like they, they really did a good job at improving their, their defense. 
Uh, with this Arizona pick, though, like you mentioned all these uh, these defensive players that help against the pass, and you mentioned like this offense where they bring in DeAndre Hopkins, but like I think on both sides of the ball, they're so weak on the line, and this is an example of like this like hyped-up young coach, Cliff Kingsbury, building just like a soft football team. And in the NFC West, this isn't going to fly. Seattle's a, like a smash-mouth team, so is San Francisco. And I think like they might be in for like a rude awakening this year because the only teams like the, the those games they're gonna play they're gonna have a really tough time. They can't stop the run and their offensive line sucks. And I think Isaiah Simmons, while he does help like cover tight ends and uh, he can obviously play on all three levels, I don't really trust Vance Joseph to put him in the in the right spots. Yeah. So going <laughs> forward with that, um, like they they're building up this really like finesse football team, this like flashy team, but I don't think they're very deep either, and I don't think they could stop the run or really move the ball well. Or, or move the ball well I mean, when they need those short yarded situations. It's where the bread's made, the O line and the D line. I mean, that's like that's like literally the rock of every team. So I mean, yeah, so the, like the, said, the Cardinals, they're like they're interesting. Obviously, Isaiah Simmons is a player like as Charlie was saying, he can be too good to pass up. But they have a real need on the O line. Kyler Murray was running for his life last year. You know, you give him D Hop, who's an intermediate route guy. You know, you need a line that's going to let him set his feet and hit those hit those routes. And, you know, line definitely is an issue with them. A lot of us, I saw a ton of mocks, like everyone had them going on line. I don't know if they knew Isaiah Simmons would fall, but that's still a huge issue there. And, yeah, in a division with, you know, you have Aaron Donald, you have that 49ers up front. It's going to be really tough for them to be able to hang in there with their weak line already. And, you know, yeah, maybe this is an example of Cliff Kingsbury, the new coach, going with a hype beast pick. We see it all the time in football, but... I think you still like you can't deny Isaiah Simmons has legit talent and he will fix a lot of those defensive holes. Yeah, I think I think um if the Panthers didn't take Derek Brown at seven, if they didn't take uh Derek Brown over Isaiah Simmons and then Simmons falls to Arizona, I do think that they go into the direction of po- po- probably like a Jedrick Wills or something. Definitely. Or maybe Tristan Wirfs at that at that point, depending on who's higher on their board. Definitely. Um I don't. I don't know if they would go Beckton just because they're such a pass-heavy offense. Well, you're um, not. Yeah, I'm so you don't know. I don't know, but also <laughs> Derek Brown obviously went before Isaiah Simmons, so he was there for the Cardinals taking. But I just I think that the value for Isaiah Simmons, he was a top three player in this draft, and they get him at eighth overall. I think is just. I think that's incredible value. I, I think though, like they're building this team with all these flashy players, but in the trenches on both sides, they're just so incredibly weak. Like, I feel like they're a really hyped team right now, but I feel like they have a lot of the flaws last year. Browns, Browns did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're I a hyped actually, team flashy like, going. You acquire the big name receiver. You, you get all these flashy names, but at the end of the day, if you can't get people off the line and if you can't get into the backfield, you're going to have a lot of trouble. Yeah. The parallels. And, and to the they, had an op- they had an opportunity to fix either one of those problems, but they won with Isaiah Simmons. So we'll see how that goes. And then moving down, like, you saw the Jags at nine. A lot of people wanted them to go QB. Like, obviously, it's such a need there. People wanted to sign one. We've been saying this for a while. Like, I think it's fairly obvious and to say that they're tanking this year. Like, they have a huge need at QB, obviously. And they go corner and I don't I forgot what they want at 20. Caleb on chase on. Yeah, so they go D-line and corner, not addressing the quarterback position, not addressing the offensive line. So Minshew, who already isn't that special, is going to get killed next year. They play two home games in London. I think they're all aboard the tank for Trevor Fields' train at this point. I mean, that that definitely is a possibility for them. But uh, going into the C.J. Henderson pick, I thought that that was like, I thought that that was going to be a pretty uh, obvious pick. 
at that point, they just traded Jalen Ramsey because uh, they likely there is a whole situation with Doug Marone, and also I don't know if they would have paid him when the time comes. Um, and they obviously got two first round picks. And they have, uh, the Rams uh, first next year as well. But uh, getting Caleb on Chase on, he's very young. I think he's still only like twenty years old. And obviously in Gawkwe once once out, calling the calling the uh, son of. Uh, Shotcom, the owner of the Jaguars, a clown on Twitter and everything that that whole Twitter feud. But um, I think right now they're they're you know they're trying to rebuild that defense that they kind of had like three years ago. They're trying to build that up to to eventually help uh, a young quarterback that they get uh at some point succeed. But I don't know how it'll work out. They're the Jaguars, so. Yeah, overall, I did like what Jacksonville did though. I was mentioning earlier like building a team like they they're gonna have a really strong defensive line. Uh, especially with the addition of Chase on, and if Ngakwe plays for them this year, they're gonna have a really strong D line. Um, I do think there is like a slight chance that they just work it out with Yannick Ngakwe because like that he has no value to be traded right now, and like he has to rebuild his value, so he he's probably gonna have to play for them this year. And they want to yeah. make the work. They've been saying like we love Ngakwe, we'd love to keep him next year. And I feel like like just generally from a team building perspective in the NFL, like the best thing teams could do is when they have a distinct advantage at one like phase of their team. And with the combination of Chase on Josh Allen and, and Gagwa, that they're gonna have such a distinct advantage with their young edge rushers compared to the rest of not only their division but the rest of the AFC. And so I think that is like a smart move on their part. And they, they can even build on this further with next year's draft with another two first round picks. Yeah, I mean, speaking to like building up, building up on your, building upon your strengths. Um, now, like at seventeen, we saw the Cowboys take Ceedee Lamb, and that let's was start, like, yeah. Let's start at like twelve because at this point, you know, we've been hearing this is a huge receiver class, right? Maybe the best of all time. People are even saying, and at twelve, we finally see the Raiders go with the first receiver taken. It wasn't a clear cut choice that it was going to be Henry Ruggs. Loft being the local Raiders fan you are for the state ain't so network. I don't, I'm curious to hear what you think of this pick. Um, I think this is just, this is Gruden like trying to add that explosive element to his offense. Thinking about now the pick makes a lot more sense to me than Judy or lamb. I think uh, one like, like Jerry Judy does have some like concentration drop issues. He reminds me so much of Amari Cooper coming out and I just don't think Gruden wants that. And they don't want and, to go that route twice. I feel like. Yeah. And with C.D. Lamb, I think like like he plays a position where like he he's he's more of like a starting X, where where like he you would project him to be. He'd be that outside like taller receiver. Right now they kind of have that for however the uh, time being with Tyrell Williams. And I think also like like they uh they they want that explosive element to the offense. Henry Ruggs does a lot of things that they wanted Antonio Brown to do before the season started. Uh, just play that Z, uh, like work over the middle of the field, and he's always a threat to take a slant to the end zone. He's not just like a one-trick, like deep uh, threat pony. And and also, I think like another thing, like Henry Ruggs was the leader of that Alabama receiver room, uh, of 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 a bunch of like of three first-round talents at receiver, maybe even four. And like like for him to like to be the leader of that room, I think is something that Mayock and Gruden really wanted. They're trying to like build the culture. And build that like that winning uh that winning culture around the team, and I think them picking the leader of like one of the greatest receiver rooms of all time in college was something that they were really excited about. Yeah, I mean, uh, talking about rugs, also you, Gruden and Mayock did have seen uh, what Kansas City's done with Tyreek Hill over the last few seasons in Kansas City with with a player with that type of speed. So I think them like and 
we all know that the Raiders have always, like, as a franchise, have always valued speed at the receiver position. So I think that also plays into that. That also played into uh, the selection of Henry Ruggs, obviously, with that four-two speed. Yeah. So we'll get into their other pick in a minute, but we are joking on the on the recording when we were watching, like the way that they interacted after that pick. Like, oh, it looks like Gruden got one pick and Mayak got another. Like, this was just such a Gruden pick. You know, yeah, they love that speed, as you said. Gruden loves those exciting, young, flashy players. And you just talked about, like, the, the locker room aspect. Like, he's a perfect guy for that culture that they're building. And, yeah, no, so that was a great – I think we like that pick from them. And then so we go on. The next receiver taken was Judy to the Broncos. And the Broncos are giving Drew Locke everything this year. They go KJ Hamler, the rec- another receiver in the second round. So they draft yep. two receivers, Jerry, Judy, and KJ Hamler. And I feel like they're just – letting it fly with Drew Locke. You know, they're going to give him this year. I think this is crucial for them. And I like this pick a lot because, you know, they need what, like, they have an abundance of resources now to give Drew Locke. And I think I'm excited to see what he does next year. Those are also on top. That's also on top of uh, having yeah. Philip Lindsay and Cortland Sutton in-house and then going out and si- signing Mullen Gordon, where, uh, whether or not you no think offense. he's like... No last year's yeah, first and round. No offense. And also they drafted Albert O in the fourth round. four four nine speed uh, tight end. So... They're going. They're going out. They're. They're. They definitely prioritize helping Drew Locke. They clearly see him as a franchise QB. Also drafted. They also drafted a Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU, the center, um, in the third round. That was also a really good value pick. Um, I really like what the Broncos did in, in did in this draft. Obviously, I'm a I'm a, a fan of KJ coming from Penn State and everything. He does have some drop issues, and I worry about like what he like if um he ever gets hurt or anything because he's pretty small for the position. But obviously, Judy's a guy that's really good at like every at every aspect of uh, the position. He's not he's not like stand. At, there's nothing that stands out like how great he like how fast he is or like uh, rugs or like after the catch like um like C.D. Lamb. But he is a very pristine route runner, and he does like every, everything that you ask for from a receiver. So I thought that that was a really good value pick for the Broncos at 15, getting Jerry Judy. Yeah, and um, in between these picks, something that we didn't mention, the Bucks they traded up one slot. I think this was the first trade of the first round. Yep. Uh, their first draft in a while, I think, where there were no top 10 trades. Um, and so they trade up to get the lime interest and worse that, you know, we've been hearing about they desperately need. We've been um, hearing about worse to, uh, Tampa to since November. Yeah, uh, we heard in November. And so this is just another win for the Bucks. You know, you give Brady – some more help on that offensive line. And, you know, it just seems like an awesome move for them. You know, you see Brady, we talked about him a lot, but he goes from a place in New England last year that had little help on the line. You know, you had center issues, receiver issues, tight end issues, and now they're giving him everything to succeed. succeed. This is really his team, and I think they just made another statement by trading up to get their guy. They didn't want to go cute. The Niners were, you know, who knows if they would have gone worse, but they, they made sure to get their guy at tackle. And then, so I guess we'll go to the, like, one of the big uh, cool moves of the night was Jerry Jones. You know, we saw that he was locking out all his scouts. It was just going to be him, no one stopping him. And then we were all like, oh, boy, like, what the fuck is he going to do here? You know, we couldn't wait. And he goes with the hype pick of the draft, C.D. Lamb. You know, you just pay Amari Cooper $100 million. You have Michael Gallup, who had over 1,000 yards last year. And you add to that group in C.D. Lamb, a stud from Oklahoma, and it's just going to be – it was a great, like, hype move by Jerry Jones to just pull the trigger. 
that was uh, one of the great value picks of this draft. The Cowboys actually had, uh, I saw some report that the Cowboys had C.D. Lamb as the number six overall player on their big board, on their draft board. So for them, that's incredible value. For anybody, that's incredible value. You get C.D. Lamb at, at 17th overall. He's like, like now you can move around, like you can move all them, all those receivers around, like outside slot, whatnot. Um, but what C.D. Lamb brings is uh, like, He's really good at, at the 50-50 ball and great after the catch. Um, so I think that that's like like now you bring that uh, that guy. He gets a lot of comparisons to DeAndre Hopkins. So now you bring in a guy like C.D. Lamb to pair with Amari Cooper and uh, now Michael Gallup. I think that that's going to be a really explosive offense. And now we're going to see them in a in a new scheme with Mike McCarthy, who apparently has changed his offense since he last coached. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Yeah, arguably one of the mate could have been one of the best uh, receivers in the draft, and uh, it's just sad to see that two uh, two of the teams in the FC East draft receivers. It's gonna be awful to see how just like the Giants try to tr- cover these guys. I could already like just hear yeah, like Joe Buck just calling CD Lamb down Baker. like running down the field. It it's it's it, a tough sight for the Giants. Be a hell of a pick for the Cowboys, and it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be cool to see, like I guess, uh, Dak try to like play with the CD. And but you look at the Cowboys though; they still have a ton of holes. You know, Travis or not a ton of big holes. Travis Frederick retired, so you have a hole at the center position. He was kind of an anchor of that O line, and you have a corner issue. Byron Jones left in free agency. That secondary already last year was weak. And you know, was this the right move for them football wise? Like they definitely had holes they needed to fill. Probably not, but like it's such a height move, and it just adds. That's a stack receiver room, and, you know, we were joking with the Giants in a second. DeAndre Baker's got to be one of the biggest losers of the draft, having to guard all these stacks. Um, but going into, like, you, you don't know if that was the right football move because they had those needs. They did address those needs later in the draft. They, they traded up in the fourth round to get Tyler Badash, the center from Wisconsin, okay, but who, has had, who has had an injury history, but still going into the year, he was like valued as one of the top centers in the draft. Yeah, but you can't some, look at, I understand that. But he's a solid at, player. I'm just saying that like they still address him. And then also, uh, they drafted probably one of my least favorite players in the draft, but they still addressed the position. They got Trayvon Diggs in the second round, so they did address that quarter position, not the direction that I would have gone in, but like still they, they did address yeah, but, the uh, position. Uh, you, can, you can certainly make that spin. Like That's fair to say because they did plug those holes. But to say that your first round pick is your best chance of being the best player in the draft. Receiver was not even close to a top need for them. The corner, would you rather get a surefire corner or a surefire receiver at that spot? The thing is, you know, you're like the likelihood of CD Lamb being a surefire great player is much higher than than any other corner that was available at that point, right? You already saw three corners get taken off the board. I, I do like Jeff Gladney a lot, but if I had the option to go with Jeff Gladney or CD Lamb in that, in that situation, um, I would 100% take C.D. Lamb, even with, even in the Cowboys situation where corner is a need, and they did just allocate $100 million to Amari Cooper. Yeah, I think this is like a really interesting move. Obviously, as Gray, you just pointed out, they have a ton of holes after free agency. And this, to me, like, like obviously, if they have them sixth on their board, this was the easiest pick in the draft then. They're like, all right, best player available. We had on this high. He's available at 17. We're going to run this in. I think he does add a lot to their receiver uh, room, even though they don't really have a true slot right now. And like they have kind of three outside receivers. I think that 50 50 ball guy is huge for them because I don't think Amari Cooper is that guy. If the game's on the line, you need a big catch. He's and not, like you're, he's, he's, not, he's not coming down with it. So he does add like a lot to them from that sense. We're just going to help Dak a lot. But I, I do think they went with like a luxury pick in the first round here. And I, I think I don't think they're in a spot where they could really do that. 
Yeah, they, no, uh, they no. have too many holes. Yeah, and they're like, not good. They didn't make the playoffs last year. There's no reason that they should be going luxury pick. Yeah, no, this, that's exactly what I was saying. Like, <laughs> how much has improved their team? Does it make them more fun to watch? But will this add wins to a team that already didn't make the playoffs? And you also have to remember the Eagles last year, they couldn't have had more injuries. And they still, that last week of the year, week 16, I think, actually, Carson Wentz is dragging that shitty receiver group with a quarterback, like Boston Scott, all these no-name players down the field, and Dak couldn't get it done. And so, yeah, there's a ton of holes in Dallas. And, yeah, I don't think they either. I agree. They couldn't afford to make this pick from a football-wise decision. I just think that the value for C.D. Lamb was just outweighs any other yeah, player we'll at see, that point. See, so. we'll see if it pans out with wins. Like, obviously, production-wise, it probably will. Um, well, let's move later into the draft. You know, I bet a ton on the draft, as you guys know. And something that it really ruined my night was the Eagles. Everyone had Justin Jefferson going there to that slot and they I think that was a huge surprise they go with Caps guy Jalen Rigger out of TCU yep. what did you see in him cap that like you think justified him going that high uh he's just an amazing playmaker has tremendous speed uh you, he really could like put him anywhere I, like I've seen him take bubble screens to the end zone uh just deep like balls deep balls to the end zone I I, I think it's just classic though Eagles fans they just get mad at a pick at the guy they probably really haven't watched even though like this guy's a ton of skill like speed, like he, he run a four two two like unofficial. I did, I think his virtual uh pro day and like this guy, he's just he's just an amazing playmaker. You can even throw him as throw him in as like a punt return. I think is a great comp to him is Deshaun Jackson. And I think Deshaun Jackson is on the Eagles right now. So yeah, he's I on the Eagles, say, yeah, it's a great pick, and I it's just classic. The Eagles are mad about it. <laughs> um, talk, uh, going to that Jalen Rager pick. Um, he does play way faster than his uh, combine forty time. Uh would indicate he ran a four four seven at the combine, um, which obviously is way slower than he plays and slower than what he got at his virtual pro day. I, I don't really trust the four two two number, but I do think that four four seven was slow for him. So I think that yeah, I think he does fall like in the four threes, but um like he play he plays like a four three player and he has the ability to take like to make a big play out of anything. So for the Eagles who do need a deep, like an, a deep threat, I guess like that, that does. That yeah. Does going help. on what you just said, Charlie, like I didn't know too much about him. Um, and then they showed like, obviously like all players, a little, some highlights and stuff. And he's catching like five yard slants, quick outs, and he's turning them into monster gains. So as you said, that big playability is something they desperately needed yeah. last year. Cause all they would be able to do is still like seven yard passes to Dallas Goddard at the end of the year. Like they couldn't push the ball. There was no vertical, <clears throat> threat at all and so you know he goes ahead of justin jefferson that move lost me some money it forced me to it forced me i had to throw some money on a taiwan baseball parlay yesterday it didn't fucking work and now i'm in the hole yeah. of all this bullshit and i'm not going justin jefferson uh i think people are mad about justin jefferson just like not even they didn't watch rager they didn't watch justin jefferson i think yeah because like they're projecting Justin Jefferson to be like a true like outside number one receiver. Justin Jefferson's another slot guy. To me, he he's not like while he is like a really he's like an extremely dependable solid receiver. Like like a great pick for the Vikings because he doesn't have to be their number one. I think uh like like he he screams just like Nelson Aguilar like Jordan Matthews like classic Eagles guy they bring in to be a slot who's just not very dynamic. And I don't think that helps them a lot. And like within a few years they'd be so sick of him because he's just not a big play threat. That's just not his game. I mean, uh, when you project him to the NFL. So I think like, like Rager does a lot for them that like, uh, that Justin Jefferson just wouldn't. I mean, yeah, you got to credit Howie Roseman for going against the mold and that typical hype pick. And 
you know, Eagles fans were pissed, but Rager will hopefully, you know, shut them up with his play on the field. And then, as you said, Justin Jefferson goes one pick later. And then we see, you know, some teams that we thought the Pats would go to QB. Obviously, they have a whole. I'm I'm fascinated with the Pats' outlook because they traded out. I guess they are going to roll with Stidham. And a lot of people are saying, like, oh, they're going to tank. They're going to tank. But Belichick, they still have too much talent on that roster to get that number one pick, number two pick for a high-end quarterback. But I don't know if they have enough talent to make a playoff run. Like, where do you guys see the Patriots' outlook going to next year? Um, it's so hard to project this just because yeah. we have no idea what Stidham is right now. We have no idea. Uh, and I think this makes it, like, extremely tough to project. Obviously, like, they have a lot of talent all over, but they have lost a lot just besides Brady. And also, they're getting older as a team. They're kind of an old, slow team. And that's that's even, like, without Brady playing quarterback. And um, I, I think, like, like it's going to be hard to project. Uh, the division's getting better. Obviously, they're going to, like, a lot more, like, dynamic talent they have to face. And I, I think, like, it's going to be tough for them to make a playoff run, but you never know with Belichick. Obviously, he could scrape something together. And if Stidham's good, like, it doesn't matter. None of this, like, these weird moves they're making matters if Stidham's good. It's, it's We'll see how good he is. I mean, he didn't look great last year in his limited action, but a lot can change. Moving on in the draft, I think some awesome things, some surprising thing that we saw is the Packers, they moved up to get Jordan Love. And this was a move that – Broke the internet. You know, it wasn't the most surprising if you look at the way the Packers do business. Obviously, we know they drafted Aaron Rodgers when Brett Favre was 35. Rodgers is now 36. We did see a slight dip in his play. And they get a guy who I think is fascinating. We've talked about him a lot, but Jordan Love is just like, he's just a very intriguing guy because we didn't see much of him in college. We didn't watch him play. But do you guys think like he was the right quarterback to trade up for and to eventually success Rodgers in Green Bay? Well, if you're going to trade up for a quarterback in, in this class at the at that point uh, in the draft, I think that Jordan Love was the guy that, that you would need to get. Um, but I still, I, I still kind of don't understand the move that much just because even though Rodgers is great, they, were become, they are becoming more of a run-heavy team, obviously. But you also want to get like guys on the outside and then in this uh, – super strong receiver class the Packers didn't draft one receiver when it was a dire need for them because all they really have is Devontae Adams um as good as he is but you can't do it by yourself um but I just don't really understand the pick as well because they just were coming off even though they weren't like that great of a team I never really thought of them as like this great team last year they still were 13 and 3 and went to the NFC championship so you want to like you would want to wouldn't you want to be able to like run it back more as opposed to like try and plan for the, for the rebuild in that situation? I don't know. That's, that's just my thoughts towards it. I understand what you're saying, but like last year was such a, like, dare I say, like kind of fluke year. Like they won all those close games. They didn't blow, they didn't really like dominate teams, even with their record. And then they got absolutely in the championship game against the 49ers. The 49ers completely outclassed them. I mean, Jimmy drew threw six passes and won, then they won the game by like 20. It was a domination, and, you know, this could be the Packers recognizing, like, Rodgers is getting up there in age. Like, are we able to build a Super Bowl team? You know, how much better are they going to get? Like, was last year their best last shot to get Aaron Rodgers a Super Bowl? Because it seemed a lot went right. You know, they stayed relatively healthy. They went 13-3, and three and they couldn't get it done against the 49ers. And Jordan Love, like, I think we've hyped him up a lot. I think overall um, we're pretty big fans. I know I am. And if they can develop him into some guy, you know, you have Rodgers for another two, three years, you're going to be good with Aaron Rodgers. Like, 
you're not just going to immediately fall into the abyss now that you like you still have talent around him. Certainly, they should have addressed receiver in later rounds, but I didn't really have a problem with them going QB. I had a mock there, and I remember also in Cap, he had the Packers picking the mock. I asked him like why he didn't go Love. So I just feel like they need to start looking towards the future because Rodgers is getting up there in age, and while you know it might piss off Packer fans now in five years if they're still winning that NFC North with Jordan Love, I don't think they'll really be complaining. I think, like, uh, not necessarily the first-round pick, but I do think, like, fans have a right to be upset at the Packers draft as a whole. Uh, they, they really did nothing to help the team uh, this season. And I, I don't think, like, I don't think Jordan Love's necessarily the worst part of that. I think they wasted a ton of picks. Like, picking, yeah. like, off a, a tight end in the third round because you're going to play him at fullback in the juice oh. check ro- uh, role. Oh, That's just ridiculous. A.J. Dillon? Like, yeah. yeah. Just a lot wrong. I think they're so clearly trying to... LaFleur is so, like, clearly trying to build this team in, like, the Shanahan mold of just, like, like we want, like, all these guys to put, like, exactly how they do on the 49ers. But I think they're missing out on, like, a Aaron Rodgers is so, is, like, infinitely more talented than Jimmy G will ever be. And I think yeah. you kind of have to, like, mold your team to that. And Jordan Love is, too. So yeah. this doesn't really make a ton of sense to me, like, what they're doing right now. They need to get some actual, like, receiving help. Yeah. They um, have Devontae Adams and a bunch of just, like, like, trees that don't do anything. Like, white, undrafted guys. Or not just like tall receivers that have good measurables, so they don't get open. Yeah, yeah, and Marcus Valdez Scantling. Yeah. Um like, like Lazard, they signed Funches. Yeah, he yeah, he just gets hurt. So yeah, the first round, like it was fascinating, it was awesome. Uh we'll get into some like cool day two picks just like in our just kind of overall takeaways from the draft. What were your guys like favorite pick throughout the whole draft? Charlie, you could start. Um my favorite pick in the draft, um, that we, I'm just going to mention one that um, that we haven't mentioned yet. I thought that Patrick Queen going to the Ravens was a great pick. I think that he like he does a lot. He did a, he did a lot for the LSU defense last year playing playing the linebacker position. That was a, an obvious need for the Ravens after losing CJ Mosley even though they did have a great year. Like you could see that there was still like a, cool. like a hole at that position. Um and Patrick Queen is just like I was I was shocked that he was the the fourth linebacker taken if you count Isaiah Simmons as a linebacker he was the fourth linebacker taken I was shocked that they didn't even have to move up to get a guy like Patrick Queen from the 28th pick I I just thought that was like that was one of my favorite picks in the draft I think the Giants getting uh, McKinney it's a great pickup especially in the second round where they got him you know I, I had him in my mock draft had him going first in the first round I think to the Dolphins I had him going yeah, 26. 26 to the Dolphins and you know it's a great pickup Obviously, I think we'd all agree some first, he's first-round talent. And obviously, the Giants are in big need in their defense, especially the secondary. So, yeah, just a great pickup for the Giants. I think it's definitely going to help their secondary. Yeah, and uh, going into Xavier McKinney, he, like, he's a very versatile player, and that's something that Joe Judge Yeah, he can is, play like, both safety positions. He's, he's really valued that. He can play in the box. He can play, uh, like, either – you can play him one high, two higher in the box. Like, he can – he does a lot for – he did a lot for that Alabama defense. At, at a lot of different uh, places in, on the field. And obviously, Joe Judge wants those types of guys. And if you're going to go in the O-line route instead of Isaiah Simmons, I thought that McKinney was a really good guy that to, to get at that spot. And also, he was clearly like their top guy on the board at that point. There were rumors before day two started that the Giants wanted to trade up, and it would have been to take Xavier McKinney. So to be able to get him without trading up either yeah, it was really good. Uh, I think the best pick of the draft has to go to the the Jets with Denzel Mims in the second round. Uh, the Jets actually traded back 
and then yeah. somehow still got Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims was a guy like who actually like some would thought he would be in the first round. I even thought that he was gonna get picked by the Eagles. I think with the twenty first pick, this guy uh, like just is a good player. Uh, makes a lot of plays. I think yeah, it was, it was a steal actually, and definitely helps out the Jets because uh, adds another target for uh, Darnold. Yeah, obviously you guys like like to harp on the Jets a lot. I'm obviously a fan of the Jets, but. Like Joe Douglas, I think you have to have have a positive outlook on him after this draft. He's able to trade out of that pick, and a lot of Jet fans were pissed because Mims was still on the board there, and that's the guy we all wanted at that spot. He trades down. He gets he gets um, 59 and 101 or something like that. He's able to take Mims with that pick, and I think that's huge because obviously you lose Robbie Anderson. You need help. And a lot of people, I'm not going to make this comparison to DK Metcalf, but like people are saying that he's not, he doesn't really have good hands, but his speed will translate. I mean, that is what they said about DK last year. Um, Denzel Mims, obviously, you need to get Darnold help. He hasn't had a true number one throughout his whole career, really even a two. Robbie Anderson's kind of a one-trick pony, and I love that move for the Jets. Yeah, I think Joe Douglas overall had a great draft, and I'm you know, I'm pumped up to see what he does. Um, Loft, do you have any move in particular? Uh, these are our favorite moves. Yeah, we'll start with favorite. Yeah, I, I just got to go with the Raiders third round. Getting Lynn Bowden. He's yep. a football player's player. Can play so many positions. Just an explosive playmaker. They announced him as a running back in the draft. I can see him doing a, a bunch of things for the Raiders, especially with like an innovative offensive mind moving him around. I think it's a great fit. And then coming back and getting Brian Edwards, who I think like if there weren't these like injury concerns with him, he could have been uh, like a late first, early second round pick. And, like, I think he's going to come in right away and compete for a starting spot. I'm really happy with their third round. They had a need, and they went right after it to try to address that. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited for the outlook of the Raiders next year. Yeah, Lynn Bowden, that's just, you know, the second offensive – I'll say offensive talent. I won't classify his position because with Gruden, he's so creative. He can do so many different things with Lynn Bowden. I, I love that pick, too, especially in that offense. Um, so for me, I'll, I'll ride the Ravens bandwagon with Charlie – how about J.K. Dobbins going to the Ravens? You know, that's kind of a luxury pick, but, you know, they run such a run-heavy offense. Mark Ingram's getting up there in age. He's obviously on a second contract. Gus Edwards isn't too inspiring. And I just love what J.K. is able to bring to that table. You know, he's very fast. Um, you know, do they need help on the O-line? Maybe, but it was a second rounder. And, like, we talked about, you know, luxury picks earlier in the draft. I think, you know, when, you're, when you go 14-2 and two, like the Ravens, you're able to make these picks. You help Lamar as much as possible. You know, what the Ravens have done so far, Ozzie Newsom started, Eric DeCastro has kept up, is they just keep giving Lamar talent. They drafted three tight ends in the last three years, obviously. They keep giving him running back help, receiver help. And it's just awesome to see a team, like, support their QB so much. Obviously, like, I'm a Jets fan. You guys are Giants fans. You haven't been able to see that as much with our rookie young quarterback. So it's just I'm excited to see what he can do, like, just as a complimentary piece in, in that Ravens back row next year. Another team where uh, I thought they, they really had a great day too was the, uh, was the Colts. I think their second round was really, really great. I really like Michael Pittman coming out, especially I love the value in the second round for Pittman. Uh, he's going to do a lot of things helping. They, they need that like bigger body receiver and like a red zone throw, especially now since, uh, since Eric Ebron left, he's going to be big in the red zone for them. And then getting Jonathan Taylor, if I had to like pick a fit for Jonathan Taylor, this would be one that I, I would really love. They're not going to ask him to do anything. He can't, they're not going to ask him to stand in there and pass pro. They're not going to ask him to catch passes. He's just going to be that like power running back for them. And he's going to be a great complimentary piece to Marlon Mack. Yeah. So I, I really like what they did, you know, they have a question mark at quarterback right now with Phillip Rivers, and they made his job a whole lot easier. 
Um, yeah. And now thinking about it, before, if you, if you're asking Philip Rivers to do what Jacoby Brissett did last year with this supporting cast, now I think he has a pretty high chance of succeeding at this point with all yeah, his help. Bauer, he, he Bauer, Bauer didn't have a first rounder, and with Philip Rivers, you know, question marks at quarterback, he needed to knock two, uh, day two out of the park. You know, you had some holes from last year. With Andrew Luck gone, a lot of those holes were exposed. They missed the playoffs. They took a big step back. And, yeah, Michael Pittman, he was a guy I really wanted the Jets to look at if he was still there. He didn't go to them. Now we'll go to some disappointments. I think the number one thing, like, we don't have to go round robin to just address this. Something we were all shocked about, I'm sure, when it happened. Jalen Hurts goes to the Eagles in the second round. You know, you have 27-year-old Carson Wentz on your team. And this was, I just think, a shock to everyone to see them go this route. Um, we talked. They talked about how they love him as a backup, but I don't know. Like this was just so surprising. And what do you guys make of it? I think um, like like Wentz ha- has gotten hurt like every year he's played. So I think like like they're really investing in some insurance in him, and I think they can uh, do some like he they they think he, they could do some like Taysom Hill Wildcat stuff with them as well. Like in in year one, if while they're still developing them, but I really just hate this pick. Like this is just like an absolute uh just waste of a pick. I think I think they're just throwing rolling this pick up and throwing it into the trash. I really don't see how uh, Jalen Hurts helps them uh, right away right now. And also, like I just don't like Jalen Hurts like as a developmental quarterback prospect in the second round. I I like I think you could have done better. And um. Also, like like using your second round pick on jail on a quarterback uh, when you're the like, Eagles at this point is just absurd, and um I, like just for injury insurance at this point it, it is ridiculous. I mean, we joke about before you go, Charlie. I just have a quick point: how Carson Wentz like made of glass, all that. I mean, he did start 16 games last year, right? He started the playoff game, and he if it wasn't for a dirty cheap shot by Jadavian Clowney and a concussion, he would have finished that game. Who knows if they go on to win it? And I just don't think when you saw a team with Malcolm Jenkins leave. You have secondary holes. You have wide receiver holes. Jason Peters is gone. Like you have things to address there, and to use like a high leverage second round pick on a backup quarterback who, best case scenario, is in the Taysom Hill role. Which, like, I don't know. Best case scenario is he never plays a quarterback for them, right? Yeah, and yeah. I just don't think you can justify such an early pick on that as the best case scenario. Yeah, obviously, like going into that. Also, to note. Um about Carson Wentz, he's on a second deal. He's on a second deal for a quarterback. So, so you're already allocating a ton of, sa- of of cap room towards the quarterback position, and then you go out with when you have holes on your team as well. You're using you're using valuable draft capital. A second round pick is a very valuable pick. You're using that on a back on what's most likely going to be a backup quarterback for you. I don't like this move at all. I thought they still had a lot more needs. They, there's still a, a Christian Fulton on the board. Corner from LSU, and that's obviously indeed they have a lot. They, they have a lot of holes on at in at their skill positions, especially receiver and corner. They did address the receiver with Jalen Rager. Maybe you double up like what Denver did, yeah. um, but like there was there were so a lot of different directions that yeah. the Eagles could have gone to to improve their roster. And while Jalen Hurts, while they probably see Jalen Hurts as a really good football player, and that's pro- that's why they did the that's why they picked him. Obviously, I just don't. I just don't understand uh, the the logic behind it. I don't understand the philosophy behind it, and that, that's that's just what I think. You heard a lot by like the ESPN guys. They were obviously gassing him up because some of them like you see a ton of Jalen Hurts games because he's played in those big games. They keep going like he's a winner. He wins everywhere. Yeah. Don't well, tell me. What does that mean for Philly? Because they just won a Super Bowl and he's a backup QB. Like I don't yeah. see that really when, translates. 
when you listen to a lot of the Jalen Hurts praise, it's a lot about like, oh, he handled the Tua situation so well. The reality is if he was a better passer, the Tua situation wouldn't have happened. And I think um, it's a lot of like, like character stuff with Jalen Hurts, which I think like it was a lot of the same stuff with Dak coming out where it's a lot of like character stuff and like, like this upside he has. I don't think he has the, the arm Dak has, but I, I do think like he would be a good fit for a team as a backup, similar to like what the Bills were able to do drafting Jake Fromm. But that was obviously much later in the draft. And to like spend a second round pick on Jalen Hurts, especially if you're the Eagles here, it just makes absolutely no sense. Like when you listen to this praise about Jalen Hurts, not a lot of it is like he improved so much as a passer. Similar to Herbert, like when you watch Jalen Hurts over his like over his like co- uh, collegiate career, he never really improved as a passer, and that was like a huge hindrance. Like whatever stats he put up at Oklahoma, watching them in the playoff game this year, like his inability to throw the ball downfield consistently hurt them so much. Yeah, I mean, you like you as you're saying, like if he doesn't have that huge year in Lincoln Riley's system, which has seemed to produce great quarterbacks every year, like he's not even a day two prospect, let alone this early in day two. I just yeah, this move, obviously, you know, we can say what we want about it. A questionable move. At best, he's a backup quarterback for, like, four years and then signed somewhere else. Um, I'm curious, you know, there were also some surprising moves made by Loft, your Oakland, your, sorry, Vegas Raiders. Damon Arnett at 24. At 19. At 19. He is 24 in September. That's why I mixed that up. So, you know, that was very surprising. What did you think when he came off the board? Like, like hearing his name was actually like so stunning because like he, he wasn't projected in the first round by anybody and to see him go not even like in the back end of the first round it, it at like a, at pick 19 was just insane. But I do think um, the Raiders kind of philosophy is like it's going to be hard to miss on these picks if these guys were high quality starters at like these blue blood collegiate programs. They did the same thing last year when they picked Farrell, Abram and Jacobs. They thought, like, these these are high-level collegiate programs. They'd bring in five-star guys every year. And if these guys can start for them, like, as, uh, like, 20, 21, 22-year-olds, or in this case, from, like, as, like, a 23-year-old redshirt senior, he's good enough to start for the Raiders right now. And the Raiders are extremely weak at corner, so I don't see, like, Damon Arnett having a problem, like, cracking the starting lineup or anything like that. And also, the Raiders are at a point, they have, they have so many picks in the top 150 the last two years that, like, something's going to happen when you draft all these guys and bring them in together. Like, like, like it's just like a numbers game. Lately, if half of them hit, you're going to get a lot of high-quality starters. And uh, last year, you saw that they, they had a draft where a lot of guys came in and, and like, played right away. And Arnett would have to do that this year because he's not going to be a 25-year-old second-year guy after not showing much. Like, no one's going to be, like, very excited about that. And I think that, like, as I me- as we mentioned earlier, like, this was Mayock's pick. Ruggs was Gruden's. Yeah. Mayock has his guys where he just loves – he loves that, like, fiery uh, competitor, like, shit with guys. Arnett played through injury all year. He played with, like, a broken hand his uh, redshirt senior year, and he was still – he still played. And I think uh, Mayock loves that shit. Yeah. And I, I think that they they also think like he's a he's a big time culture guy. He'll come in and the, he brings like toughness at DB. Like they hated Gary on Conley because like Gruden, Gruden would look like Conley in the ice. Like this guy doesn't want it. And I think like them with their two corners now, Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett, they they have two guys where like they believe that every game they're going to come out and compete. Yeah, um, another pick in the first round that was kind of similar, like out of nowhere. Jordan Brooks, linebacker uh, from Texas Tech to the Seahawks. I like. I didn't even know who this guy was. Like, I'm gonna be real here. Um, complete shocker to me. You know, we talked. We hinted in the mock loft. I think you brought it up. Like the Seahawks, they'll surprise you. You know, they'll go with a pick that you don't see coming. 
they certainly lived up to that hype this year with Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech. Yeah, this uh, this seems like another like big. They seem to be reaching all over the draft and going and grabbing Daryl Taylor on day two. Uh, this is like I feel like Seattle. Uh, they're, they're they're making luxury picks every year, so they can go ahead and like and like reach for a guy like like Rashad Penny or Collier last year, but th- at some point this is gonna bite them when they have no young talent coming in, and I, I think like this is another example of that. Jordan Brooks not really projected as a first or a second rounder really by anybody. He has like tremendous physical upside, but he's not. I don't know if he's even gonna be ready to play year one. Like Collier wasn't, and that was the same thing. Yeah, Russell Wilson can't mask all your flaws forever. And he is he is getting older now. He's on yeah. the other side of thirty. Yeah, and and even even though like we do like joke, but like are also being serious when we say the Seahawks do like have wild card first round picks seemingly every year. Like they did go in the linebacker position, which I understand might be a need. Like like with uh, you have Bobby Wagner, one of the be- the best linebackers in the league. But aside from that, nobody really there at the position. Um, but if like you were going to go in that linebacker direction i still don't understand why they wouldn't have taken patrick queen like but that's just the the seahawks that that we know and love they just like take they take guys that that many people don't think are going to be first round guys yeah um so is that are we good on the draft that was a lot uh yeah is that just about it anything else you guys want to touch on from to the bills josh allen's gonna pick up a few things win the mvp this year Possibly. Um, I can curl that loft. So let's move yeah. on to some. Give me a massive some... year for Josh Allen. Let's... This is the year he, sh- he shuts Greggy up. This is the year that he shuts Greggy up. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. I hope he does. No, this is the year I he shuts you up. 16. Yeah, why would you hope he does? So he lights him so he hangs like Rupert Kitts. I mean, he. Because it has... means that we have football. That's why. I mean, not against the Jets, obviously, but he needs to take huge steps. Like, he has seven turnovers in two games against the Jets. So he really needs to take a step there. Yeah, the Jets. Yeah, the Jets were good last year. Yeah, I'll see Darnold scramble yeah, out of the pocket like eight, and, they, and then dodge like seven three. tackles and then air it out. Down <laughs> Jets like were good it. last year. Yeah, they beat your team by Darnold's got, Darnold's got a fucking pea shooter, all right? <laughs> um, so yeah, let's go to some, some fun news. Gronk, he came out of retirement. You know, we nailed this. We said Captain America Gronk. Yeah, we, we nailed this completely on the pod. You guys got to give us credit. We were saying, you know, it'll be in Vegas. We thought they'd reunite in Vegas, but it was in Tampa. But this was just awesome, like, to see them, to see him come back. Like, I just... already know my theory. Gronk literally just wanted to, like, take a year off so he can just get, like, wasted every day and just party. That's all he was doing. He was capping from the start. He, he didn't want to retire. Wasn't even I, think, I mean, I Colin said this on his show, and I think he said it best, like, he didn't want to retire from football. He wanted to retire from Bill Belichick. Like, he's just tired, I think, of that, like, yeah. just so mature approach. And in Tampa, he really can, like, let it loose and, like, be Where himself. Lose, still booze. Yeah, he can yeah, – I mean, that'll be the modern. That, should... that may be an issue, though, with Gronk because, like, you know he's, like, out there. You know what I mean? Like, he's, like, a partier. He, like – he definitely has done his probably his fair share of blow. You know, he's a crazy guy. <laughs> He's probably like I, I'm scared for him in in Tampa because like, I don't I don't know if Arians is like maybe he needs that structure that super Belichick. tight ship like I definitely think he needed the structure of Belichick like for sure like, Gronk is like a, a young guy. like a man child kind of guy now he is older now like he could have he's grown up a little bit he's got a girl right now but like going back to the football side of it this was not a need for Tampa at all their offense they have two stud receivers 
you know, they have guys at tight end. I don't think O.J. Howard's all that special, but they have Cameron Brake, too. You know, certainly serviceable tight ends. And to just add Gronk to that mix, it's just a big power move. Like, it's just a big FU to the league. Like, Tampa, they're going to compete this year. They're going to do everything they can to give Brady one last shot at a Super Bowl. Give him a home Super Bowl. It's in Tampa this year. Yeah, and I think, like, whoa, I think this is another example of them, like, really building upon a strength, which is something that, like, I don't think teams do enough. Like, the, you would say, like, oh, they have enough weapons anyway. It's like, why not add Gronk, though? At $10 million, though, on its current contract, it, it's probably going to end up being a little steep because I don't see Gronk putting up a ton of regular season numbers. But in the playoffs, you just know that guy's going to come through with Brady. And, like, they, and also, I think it helps for, uh, for Brady to come with a guy he's comfortable with who, like, he has a rapport with. He knows how to get him the ball and, like, when he's comfortable to be open. And I think that's just going to be huge for them off the start. Yeah, I think if you're, like, picturing Gronk having this huge year, like, I don't think he's that guy anymore. But he's going to make some huge catches for Brady. There'll be, yeah. like, three or four monster catches that save them in games because that's who like, Brady Like, if you need one, Gronk's your guy. Yeah, that's, that's Brady's like, guy. Some crazy cats. Yeah, so, like, yeah, playoffs, so I'm sure he'll come up huge and stuff like that. And it's just, yeah, like going back to the point. Especially in that offense, too. It's going to be, it's going to be a fucking the passing offense. Lot. Yeah. And he's a great blocker, too. We can't, we can't get rid of that aspect. Gronk is a monster not. blocker. And with a team that had O-line issues last year, like that'll just, it's a great fit there. It's awesome. What if they just convert Gronk to like a left tackle? It's like 400 <laughs> pounds. It'd be insane. Also, are we buying Gronk? He said that he was, you know, we've seen the videos. We've seen him being slimmed down. He said, "No way, he's two fifty. Yeah, he definitely he didn't lose ten pounds. He looks like he's like rocking like a two twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. No way, he's two fifty. Yeah, no way. Uh, uh, he's six seven. And just like to go on the Patriot side, I was kind of surprised that they would do this. Glazer, I heard Glazer talking earlier in the week. Another miss by Glazer. He said, "There's no way because there's no reason the Pats would trade him. You know, if they want, if Gronk's to play." He thought it would just be for them only. Like, they would refuse to trade him. Why do you think, like, like Bella, Like I, I get it. He's able to get a fourth for a guy who wasn't playing. But it just doesn't seem like the Belichick move to, like, give in to Gronk and let him, like, run with Tom next year. I don't know. Well, well, well that does seem like a, a Belichick move from the standpoint that, like, you're, you're basically getting a free fourth-round pick, right? right? You're, yeah. getting, you're getting a free asset that is way more valuable than the player, than the player was for – that the player – was for you last year and probably will be for for the upcoming season, right? Like, yeah, well, um, going into that, yeah, like I don't think, like, like I also don't think Belichick probably doesn't want Gronk to come back at this point. He tried to trade Gronk to Detroit, which yeah. I think that's the real crux of Gronk never wanting to play for Belichick again. The yeah. move to try to send like one of the greatest Patriots of all time to a complete shit show franchise led by two complete idiot fuckwads in Detroit, a <laughs> team that a, a team where the GM's been there for seven years and they're picking in the top ten every year. It's just a disgusting move, honestly. That's that's kind of a really low class move by Belichick, sending a guy that's thro- that's like completely like thrown his body away. He's he's like yeah. he's crying after a Super Bowl because he's in so much pain as a twenty eight year old. Doing that just so you can uh, just so you can pick up a little bit of value. You send them to like one of the worst franchises in football that just don't care about winning at all. I think that's a move where like if I'm Gronk, that's you can't forgive that. And yeah, like as I was saying, like he wanted to retire from Belichick. That's probably the line that was crossed. He's he's sick and fed of like just this this schedule and having to be this certain guy. And you know we've already seen Brady like he went on that Howard Stern show. He emptied it all out. He's already becoming a more relatable guy. Gronk was probably the most like fun aspect of the Patriots during this dynasty, like the way that he just interacts with everyone. 
And now we'll probably see that on steroids in Tampa where the restrictions won't be held on him. So going on to just like some gritty in the trenches moves, we saw two O-line moves just quick, like the Texans, they re-upped Laramie Tunsil, and I feel like they had no choice but to give him whatever he wanted after giving up two firsts for him, a monster package. The way Bill O'Brien has run this team, you know, who knows what he would have done, but I think like this move just makes too much sense for the Texans not to do. Yeah, but 22 mil, this is one of the most like player-friendly deals I've ever seen. It's only a three-year commitment for Tunsil. He's going to hit the hit free agency again in his 20s. After coming off $22 million a year for three seasons, like he had, he had Bill O'Brien over a barrel here. Uh, this is what happens when you sign a guy, when you trade for a guy and you don't like get the contract agreed upon off the start. Yeah. Like for instance, just imagine if the bears traded for Khalil Mack, he had the season he had in 2019 and then he's a free agent. And then he, he's like, he's, he's about to hit free agency. Like they, they'd be in a lot of trouble. And uh, right, this just shows to like another, like that was another short sighted move by Bill O'Brien. Uh, doing that without like getting a contract in place and now he's gonna have to pay for it like literally and figuratively because this is a lot of money and it also ties up so much of their cap yeah i mean it makes yeah they had, they had to do this move and i think still it was a grossly overpay like is it all guaranteed 366 all guaranteed it's not all guaranteed i mean you hope it is though in the end because that would mean he produced they already their line is still a huge weakness they weren't able to address it in the draft early without a first um, but at, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, they had to make this move. The last, uh, move that happened was Trent Williams after a year of, you know, back and forth with the Redskins, a huge mess. We had Jordan on to talk about that. Charlie's good buddy. Uh, he finally got his wish. He goes to maybe one of the best situations in football to that f- stacked 49ers team. And, you know, I think they're just, I really love what they're doing. We saw, like, I saw a graphic. It was a comparison between the 49ers and Packers, like, off season and it was like get first get these sick linemen all this and then for the Packers it was like draft a backup QB draft a third string running back don't touch the receiver position like I just think that they're going all out they recognize that they have a short window here like you can't you can't think that you have a long window in the NFL you're always gonna have a short window to compete and I really like what they're doing and like going for it now yeah overall like I think like if you were to tell me like each move the Niners made like, oh, they drafted another receiver in the first round. They got their Buckner replacement. One thing I'll say, though, going back to the draft a bit, I don't understand why Shanahan uh, just refuses to, like, bring in tall receivers. I, I don't know what his obsession is with these, like, these like 5'11 receivers with these, like, that are great intermediate but can't really play on the boundary. Like, how many slot receivers are you going to rack up? But going on, like, yeah, them picking up Trent Williams is huge. And I think it's one of the greatest, like, inadequacies in value in the NFL. Like, you being able to get, like, veteran offensive linemen for nothing. For nothing. Uh, yeah, and it happens every year. There's always some trade thinking about, like, um, Marcus uh, Gilbert to, like, the Cardinals last year for, like, a sixth. He's a starting offensive lineman in the league, and that's, like, huge value. But it's they don't they don't really take anything to trade for him. And I think, like, maybe eventually the league will catch on to this. But good teams are able to – good teams make these moves because they're just thinking ahead. And bad teams are always the teams trading these guys away. Yeah, and, and like the Trent Williams trade, like getting a guy like Trent Williams to replace Joe Staley, who's out, who's now retired. I think that was like a really good move. Trent Williams has been the best offensive tack, uh, the best uh, left tackle in the NFL for the last like ten years or so. Um, so you get a guy that can like continue, like where you can maintain like having a really strong offensive line. But going back to like uh, another move that the 49ers made uh, in the in the off season. 
Um, they traded DeForest Buckner for the for the Colts' first round pick, thirteenth overall, and then they traded back, and then they took Javon Kinlaw, a replacement for DeForest Buckner. I don't really under like I understand like that you're that you're getting a much cheaper guy at that position, but um, I don't understand trading Buckner as opposed to like tagging and trading Ark Armstead and maybe getting a second, and then you like just stay where you are and then maybe move up to get IU again. I just, I don't like the philosophy of trading of like a surefire, like one of the elite players at that position for like a mid round pick and then just getting their replacement there when you could, when you have another guy that you could have gotten maybe not as much value for, but like you still would have had the better player there. Well, they would have no way to replace Armstead if they traded him because they wouldn't have the pick they used to get Kinlaw. And also Armstead was significantly cheaper than Buckner ended up being. And, so, and that allows them to do other things, like bring in different players. Like bringing in Sean Williams. Yeah, and allows them you know, to make that big splash. And I, I, So, like, from that perspective, I definitely get it. I, I just think that, like, Buckner, I, I, don't, I don't understand, like, that philosophy, though. But to each his own. I mean, I, at this point, you're not a GM. Maybe at some point you'll get that, that 10-year offer. Yeah. Hopefully you'll be ready for that. Um, are we all good here? Yeah. So. God bless America. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, so we'll have a pod coming out later this week. We'll announce a date shortly. We'll review the Jordan documentary episodes three and four, the ramen episode. You know, we're pumped for that. Should be a good one. And then we're going to do a all time sick fuck. Yeah. A what if draft. So like the all time sports moments, like what if, like what if this, you know, one little thing that could have just altered the landscape of sports. So that'll be a fun draft. Thank you guys so much for being on this train, the collision course at the top. We're taking over. Thanks. Yeah, watch me rip this shit. You changed my words. God, remember that. Custer just went off the deep end, bro. Fuck, uh, uh. Are we still recording? Yeah. Let's go.